0: Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles, the book of Acts again, if you would, please. Acts chapter number 11. This is week number three, I believe, in Acts chapter number 11. Uh, but I don't leave the chapter till God tells me to leave the chapter. So we're going to stay there right now tonight and go there. We're going to look at verse number 26 one more time. Acts chapter number 11 and verse number 26. And then I'll share with you what God placed on my heart tonight. It says, and when he had found him, he had brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. As I think about that word Christian, I begin to meditate on what it means. I looked at the word Christian, and it means to be Christ-like. And the reason they were called Christians is because they were acting as christ would act they were learning they were teaching others as christ would do and those were growing and producing others and on and on it would go that's what we're supposed to do but as i was looking at that my heart began to get convicted about our the state of our country the state of our churches and i don't believe i believe we use the word christian very flippantly in our lives a lot of people say well i'm a christian i'm a christian i'm a christian just because somebody's a believer in Christ and they've trusted Jesus as their Savior does not mean they're a Christian. Uh, being a Christian means that you're an imitator of Christ. That means that you let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, so as I was pondering this and looking at this tonight, I was going through this passage of Scripture. And we're gonna. this is probably going to be the last Wednesday that we're in Acts 11, we'll jump to Acts 12, not next Wednesday, because we'll be uh, discussing some Christmas theme uh, next Wednesday night. But the following Wednesday, I've been studying already through the chapter 12 and going through some things, and we're going to discuss two Wednesdays from tonight. But as I thought about that word Christian, I began to ask myself and ask the Lord, Lord, am I genuinely a Christian? Lord, is there anything in me? that would hinder that title in my life. Lord, I want to be an imitator of you. And this week, as I was sitting in my office, spending some time praying, talking with the Lord, I began to actually do a self-examination and ask God, God, what is it inside of me that if I were to uh, stand before you today, was there anything inside of me that would make me just a believer but not a Christian? And as I thought about this, tonight I begin to study about different believers and different things throughout the Bible and I'm going to we're going to get back to the word Christian and it's going to talk about that last believer that we talk about tonight is actually going to be the one that is acting as the Christian but I'm going to talk to you about six different types of believers tonight and the title of the message is going to be what kind of believer are you what kind of believer are you there's some things we're going to look at tonight uh, there's a difference again in those two words a believer and a Christian uh, a believer somebody who has believed in Christ trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior but a Christian is one who allows what's inside of him to come out it's one that uh, uh, that imitates the one in which saved him and so let me admonish you let me encourage you let me challenge you listen 2020 is here you can't relive 2019 we can't go back and change Uh, anything that we've done in the year of 2019, but we can live for the future and we can decide that as of right now, we are going to be a Christian. I know our young people are working on a song for uh, the last Sunday night of the month and it's called, I choose to be a Christian. And you know what? To choose to be a Christian is a choice that you're going to have to make. Nobody else can make that decision for you. It's a decision that you have to make personally between you and God is to be a Christian. And I want to ask you, if you examine yourself, and we're going to go through some of these things tonight. I had to do a self-examination, and some people say, well, you're the pastor. What do you mean you had to do a self-examination? I'm also a human in flesh just like you, and the fact is, I have to do a self-examination. Am I acting as a Christian? God, would people title me a Christian, a follower of Christ, an imitator of who Christ is? See, what he told his disciples when he was walking on the Sea of Galilee, calling them to himself. Do you remember he said this when he was walking on that shore? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know what he was teaching them is I'm going to teach you how to become a Christian. I'm going to teach you how to be an imitator of me. And God gave us His Word, and He gave us all the way from Genesis one one to Revelation twenty two twenty one. This is God's roadmap for me to be identified not just as a believer in Christ, but genuinely as a Christian. And I thought about what uh, Barnabas and Saul were doing here. They had uh, Barnabas, we know, had gone to Antioch and. Uh, He was encouraged by what was happening in this place. And he said, hey, I'm going to need some help here. There's people being saved. Some things are growing. So he went to seek Saul. And as he found Saul, it says in verse 26, and when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year, look at this, the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So listen, I wonder, are we studying the word and growing in the things of God enough that our life is identified by others as a Christian? I wonder, do our neighbors know that we're a Christian? See, we use the word, I'm a Christian, as opposed to I'm a Muslim or I'm a a Buddhist. But the fact is, being a Christian is not a religion. Being a Christian is a relationship. It is how you're uh, walking with the Lord. Listen, you have a relationship with God through salvation, through the blood of Jesus Christ. But I wonder, are you imitating him? Are you full of the spirit? Well, we're going to talk about several types of believers. And five of them aren't the type of believer that I want to be. The last one that we'll talk about tonight is the one that I do want to be. Look at Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah chapter number 15. Jeremiah 15, and verse number 16, it says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. As I was thinking about this verse here, as I was reading it this week, it said this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart i just had the opportunity to spend some time with miss mary tedrick the other day and as i was standing there talking with her after the news of her getting stage four cancer we read a verse in psalm 73 verse 26 it says my flesh and my heart faileth but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and as I was going through this, this, this passage of Scripture in Jeremiah, came back to my mind because it said this, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know what he's saying is, the word of God was there, and I ate every bit of it. He wasn't saying that I physically picked up a book and took a bite out of it. What he's saying is spiritually I ate on the Word of God. And that's what we're supposed to be as believers and ones that get into God's Word and eat God's Word. But I'm going to talk to you about those that are the unfed believers. The ones that just won't eat it. The word of God is there. It said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Thy word was unto me, the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You understand, we're supposed to eat the word of God. You say, what are you talking about? We're supposed to eat the word of God, pour some ketchup and mustard on it and eat it that way. No, but spiritually, we're supposed to eat the word of God. You know, it's likened unto milk and bread and meat. The Bible calls it that. And guess what? We're supposed to spiritually nourish ourselves on the word of God. But there are those believers that'll sit in church and say, well, preacher, I'm just not being fed. You understand when you read the book of Acts, God does admonish uh, the pastors of the church to Uh, feed the flock of God it's my job to when you come to church to make sure that I'm studied up and prepared enough to feed you from the word of God but it is your obligation on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday during the day and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and even Sunday before you come to church it is your job to eat the word to get into the word of God to eat it spiritually, uh, you young people. Listen, it's your obligation to eat of the word of God. I have a lot of young people that tell me, well, I just don't like to read. I don't like to read. That's not the case in my house. My daughter likes to read. She, if it's a book, she grabs it and reads it and all those kind of things. But listen, we ought to be reading the book, the word of God. What are we to be getting into it and and spiritually eating and feeding ourselves on it. But there are those, they're the unfed believers, the ones that just won't eat. They have spiritual anemia. They just become very anemic and they actually get to the point where when the word's even brought out, that what happens is they bring it back up. They regurgitate it back out because they just say, oh, I can't handle that. And the fact of the matter is, though, we have a lot of people in our churches that are unfed believers because they just refuse to eat. From the word of God. And as I read through this verse, I said, you know what? When they refuse to eat, they're missing out on the joy. They're missing out on the rejoicing in their heart. It said, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. You understand, when you don't get into the word of God, it makes you a very miserable person. You miss out on the joy that comes from the Word of God and the relationship with Him. You miss out on the rejoicing in our heart that comes when the Word of God is shown to us. And as we get into it and we begin to open it and we begin to study its pages, how the Holy Spirit of God illuminates to us exactly what we need at that spiritual time in our life. So you have the unfed believers. The one who just won't eat. Someone who has access to the food. But just refuses to eat it. See, that shouldn't be Baptist. We like to eat. We're good at eating physically. Uh, We like the buffets, okay? I'm the Golden Corral type person, okay? I like to go in that place, the all you can eat type buffets. You get your money's worth out of that. I don't like going to those one high dollar places that you go there and pay $400 and they give you a little piece of chicken, a little leaf to make it look pretty, and then a little piece of fruit. You know, that's just ridiculous. You know, I like going there where it's the buffet, you know, that smorgasbord that's right there. You get to dive in and eat it. You know what? And we're good at that, aren't we? You know what's very funny, Brother Tom, is I've never, as of in all my years of ministry, never had anybody ever call me and say, Preacher, I've got a cheeseburger in front of me I can't eat it. I don't know how. Can you come feed it to me? Never had anybody do that. I've never had anybody call me and say, hey, preacher, I know I'm going to get phone calls now. I know how smart Alex we have around here too, okay? But uh, Matt Bonas is going to call me and say, preacher, I'm trying to eat and I can't do it. Can you? I'll feed it to you, all right, buddy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I have to get right with the Lord. Let's, let's get out of the flesh and come back to the service, okay? I've never had anybody call me and say, hey, preacher, you know, I'm having some soup tonight. Can you bring the spoon up to my mouth and feed me? No, why? Because we're good at feeding ourselves physically, aren't we? But then somebody that doesn't eat the word of God themselves, they'll be the one to lead the church and get all upset about what's going on at the church because they don't spend time nourishing themselves from the word of God. And then they begin to blame those that are trying to feed them the word of God. You know what they do is they have the access to the food, but they refuse to eat it. You ever heard the phrase that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink? You know you can lead people to the word, but you can't make them eat it. They have to eat it themselves. I can lead people to it. I can show them, hey, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21 God has everything you need for your spiritual nourishment, but somebody has to choose to eat from the Word of God. They have to choose it. Being a Christian is one that isn't one that says, no, I don't want to eat of the Word of God. Being a Christian is one that meditates upon the Word of God, that gets into the Word of God and studies it and follows God's ways and does what God tells them to do. You have the unfed believer, the one that just won't eat it, just refused to do it. You say, there's a lot of people say, well, preacher, I just, I struggle with reading. You know what? We can't use the excuse in the society we live in today. We can't use the excuse that we can't read well. With all the technology that we have and everything like that, we can download the Bible and play the audio version of it and do all those kind of things. We can still get the word of God if we desire to get it. The biggest thing is, it's all excuse because we just say, I don't want it. That's what we're really saying. When we say, oh, preacher, I just can't do it because I'm not a very good reader, what we're saying is, preacher, I don't want it. I'm not going to eat it. Listen, you have the unfed believer, the one that just won't eat. Look at Matthew 21. Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21. And verse number 28, that's where we're going to start. Look what he says. Actually, jump up to verse 27. And and they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by authority I do these things. By uh, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. And whither of the two twain did the will of his father And they said unto him, The first, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Listen, we have not only the unfed believer here, but we're talking about the lazy believer. You have the unfed believer, the one who just won't eat. We're talking about the lazy believers, the one that just won't work. See, the father came to him and he said he had two sons and he said unto him, Go and work in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. And then I thought about Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, where he said that he sought for a man among them to make up a hedge and stand in the gap, and he found none. And when they said Jeremiah several times talked about looking for laborers and all those things, and what they say, they said, we will not hearken. We won't do it. We won't work. See, work has become a bad word in our society today. You say the word work and people cringe. Because what do they want? They want handouts, don't they? A lot of people don't want to work, but the Bible says that the night cometh when no man can work. You know what? We're supposed to work. We're supposed to work hard. The Bible says that in the book of Nehemiah, when the wall was to be rebuilt back up, guess what? The people had a mind to work. Did you understand the work of God takes work? I know that's that's a hard thing to fathom, but the work of God takes work. It's hard work in the work of God. Work is something that a lot of people don't like to do. I'm glad we have a church full of people that like to work. We have a lot of workers here, and I'm glad for that. But the fact is, our generation is struggling today because we have a lot of lazy believers. People that don't want to get up. They don't want to come to church. They say, well, well, I got to get up early every day. Why do I got to get up and come to Sunday school? Or why do I got to go to church three times a week? Or why, why do I got to go out visiting? Preacher, why do we got to have all these ministries and all this stuff? You know why? Because the ministry takes work. Reaching people takes work. We have to have a mindset to work. It's going to take some work to see the work of God go forward. God wants us to work. He wants us to get out there and do it. He tells us to go. That was the first part of the command. Remember Matthew 28 where he said go. Go. Guess what going does? It takes work. It takes work. God wants us to work. You have that unfed believer, the one that just won't eat, the lazy believer, the one that just won't work. I wonder how many of us just have have argued with God when God tells us, I want you to go witness to this person. We say, God, I, I just, I just can't do that, God. I just, I, I don't, I don't do that. I, I just can't. God, I, I can't, I can't come and help out and do this or do that for you. Why? Because we just are lazy. We don't feel like working. Oh, you know what? We'll give a a good day's work to our job, our employer, because we get some money in the bank account for it. But when God tells us to work, we say, Oh, God, I'm, I'm limited. I, I'm tired, God. I can't do it. We make excuses for why we can't work. That's the lazy believer, the one that just won't work. I wonder if God will do with the church what we decide to do for him. The amount of work that we put into the ministry, I wonder if God will put that much amount into us. See, the fact of the matter is God's going to bless you for your faithfulness, not bless you for laziness. God doesn't bless laziness, he blesses faithfulness. We can't be lazy. we got to keep pressing forward and keep doing it. It said they were called Christians first at Antioch. I wonder, did Barnabas and Saul just sit by and watch the ministry? Or did they get involved in teaching and training and helping others? Guess what they did? They worked. It said they were every day in the church teaching and training others, making other disciples. Why? Because the ministry takes work. Reaching people takes work. Doing things around the church takes work. And we can't be lazy about it. We've got to keep working forward and getting things done for God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I was asking myself this question. I asked the Lord today, Lord, are we really Christians? Are we really Christians? Are we imitators? of you lord are we following in your footsteps are we doing what you would do see jesus had the word and he gave it to him but you know what those people that were that were god fed with the five loaves and two fishes you know they had to make a choice to eat they had to make that decision oh the baskets could have come around and they could have just said no thank you they had to choose to eat it and the Word of God is the same way. We have to choose every day that we're going to eat from the Word. We don't need to be an unfed believer, one that just won't eat. We don't need to be a lazy believer, one that just won't work. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse number 17. It said, Therefore, I'm sorry, look at verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. If you look at chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then in chapter 6, verse 17, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Who's he talking about coming out from among and being separate from? The world. The world. So God's saying, we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That we ought to come out from among the world and be separated unto him. That's what God tells us he wants us to do. But if you remember the church of Laodicea, what he told them, he said, I would that you were cold or hot. And because they were lukewarm, they tried to have both sides of it. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. So we're going to talk about the worldly believer, the one that just won't separate. You had that unfed believer, the one that just won't eat, that lazy believer, the one that just won't work, or the worldly believer, the one that just won't separate. Separation is not standing on the fence. Separation is making a distinct decision on what side you are on. See, to be separated from the world isn't just enough. It's separated unto God is where we're supposed to be. In Amos 3.3, 3, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? See, the fact is, the Bible also tells us that no man can serve two masters. Else he'll hold to the one and love the other, or he'll uh, uh, love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. See, the fact is, if we don't choose that we're going to follow God and get on God's side, we allow the worldly things still to be in our lives. That's not what God intended for us to do. There are so many times that the, the church has become worldly. That's why the world doesn't want what the church has. Because the church acts just like the world does. And we're not supposed to be that way. It said they were called Christians in Antioch. Imitators of Christ, not imitators of the world. So why is it that we get upset when a preacher begins to preach about standards and separation and holiness and right living and doing the right thing and uh, having the right kind of things in your home and and raising your kids properly and doing all of those things? Why do we frown about that when, when the preacher gets on that and begins to preach on that? Because it's all Bible. It's in the Word of God. We start getting upset because we say, you know what? Well, they just have to experience the world. If we don't teach them about the world, they're they're gonna fall flat on their face when they get out into it. Listen, if you don't, if you show them what is right, they'll be able to identify what's wrong. You show them what's right. Let them see what it means to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. I've had people tell me before, well, preacher, my my kids just need their privacy. You know, um, they they have their room, and that's their room. I don't go in their room because. That's their their area and they just they need their privacy and all this. Listen, I understand as they get older, uh, there is a, a measure of privacy that that the kids need, especially when they're they're changing and different things like that. But I'll tell you this, parents, it's your job to make sure what's going on in their room is right. You know what? God told us to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he says this. Did did God tell us to do this? Did he tell us to teach up a child in the way they should go, or did he tell us to train up a child in the way they should go? There's a difference between teaching and training. There's a difference. Teaching is giving them the knowledge that they need. Training is applying it. It's putting application to the teaching. See, a lot of times we have young people that become worldly because they watch their parents say one thing and live another. They watch the leaders in their life say one thing and live another. And that we allow a lot of worldliness into our homes. A lot of ungodliness into our homes. And God wants us to be separated. See, training is actually making things happen. I remember growing up, I did not have an option if I was going to church. If I would have told my parents, no, I'm not going today, I would have went anyway and I wouldn't have liked it because I would have come either behind the car, in the trunk. However, I would have, I would have got there. Okay, people say, well, your parents were abusive. No, they weren't. They were training me. They were training me. You know, it is my job to train my children for the Lord. Did you, I'm not this one, two, three strikes you're out kind of dad. I'm just not that way. Um, I believe in uh, immediate obedience. That's what I believe in. And people say, well, preacher, why? uh, uh, It's not wrong for a kid to ask why. You're exactly right. It's not wrong to ask why. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He asked why. But guess what? Obey first, then ask. Obedience. Why? Because if they can't obey me, who they see they live with, why are they ever going to obey him? And I don't want them to ask God and argue with God before they obey. I want them to obey right away. So I have to train that into them now, right? I have to make habits like that now. So God wants us to train them for him, not train them to go back into the world. See, the fact is we came out of the world. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Am I saying that we ought to never try to witness to the world or be kind to the world? I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we ought not to act like they act and do what they do and have all the things that the world has to offer inside of our homes as believers in Christ. Why? We ought to be different. People ought to know we're different. There's something different about us. It said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That means we got saved out of that old wicked lifestyle. We ought to be living a new lifestyle for God. We got saved out of the, the, the muck and the mire of this world. And now our feet have been planted on a solid rock. Or, or, or there's a new song in our heart, even praising to our God. And I wonder when people see the change in us, are they saying, hey, that's a Christian? Or are they just saying, oh man, he just got a little bit religious, but still acts that way. Still acts like the world. Listen, I'm not going to say that there's going to be an immediate change in everybody that gets saved, but there's an immediate change in desire when somebody gets saved. And they ought to be desiring the things of God. But we have the worldly believers, the ones that just won't separate. They refuse. God, who do you think you are? Well, Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what? Separation is good, acceptable, and perfect in God's eyes. That's His will for all of us. So we have the unfed believers, the one that just won't eat, the lazy believers, the ones that just won't work, the worldly believers, the ones that just won't separate. Look at Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the rest of these. I want to get through them. Real quickly, Joshua, chapter number one. Verse number nine, he said, Have not I commanded thee? There's a question mark. He's asking a question. He's saying, have not I commanded thee? And then he's telling them what he commanded them to do. To be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So he's saying unto them that if they're going to have good success, he said, didn't I give you this command? Here's my command to you. A command is not a question, is it? He's asking a question, what was my command? Is not this the command I gave you? But then he states what that command was. He says, Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Who's this? This is the timid believer, the one that just won't stand. The one that just won't stand for righteousness. When he tells us to stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, all of those things, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All of those things he tells us, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. He tells us to be strong and of a good courage. Listen, I understand that some people are naturally timid in their own, uh, their own personalities. There's a lot more people that there are some people that are very shy. And I understand that. I'm not talking about not, not being who God made you to be. But what I'm talking about is being ashamed to stand up for God. They ought not to be ashamed of standing up for the Lord. No matter how timid we are, no matter how shy we are, when it comes to the things of God, we ought to be willing to identify that, listen, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and I'm a follower of Him. I want to be just like Him doesn't mean that we have to be some uh, loud mouth and somebody who just has to tell everybody that they're a believer. You can be a believer without saying much. You can even be a Christian without saying a whole lot of things because your walk talks just as loud, if not louder, than your talk talks. The way that you act does it. But you know what? We have timid believers, one that use their timidity as an excuse to not stand. They use that timid nature as one that I just can't stand up for God. Listen, I know there's timid people, and that's a wonderful thing. That's how God made some people, is very timid. But don't allow your timidity to stop you from being a Christian and following Christ and living like Him and being like He is. So you have the timid believer, the one that just won't stand. You see, the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. We've got to be bold for the Lord. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5, look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In some of thy ways acknowledge him. No, it says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine understanding. This one's about the defeated believer. The one that just won't trust. they just won't trust. Well, God, I don't believe God's big enough to take care of my circumstance. I don't believe God's big enough to help me in this. And they walk around defeated all the time. They walk around with this uh idea in their mind that god's not big enough to help them oh yeah sure god's big enough to save me from the charred walls of hell but he's not big enough to take care of my needs and solve my problem listen we we need to trust in the lord with all our heart lean not into our own understanding guess what there's some things that happen in our life we just don't understand there are circumstances that come our way that really in the in in the grand scheme of things we can look at god and say god why is this happening God, I have no idea what's going on here. But that's not where the problem is. The problem is once we ask God or we tell God, God, we're struggling with this, is not trusting in his answer and his will for our life. Not trusting in his provision, not trusting in his plan. See, God never promised to tell us what his plan was or to tell us what his purpose was, only that he has a plan and he has a purpose and we need to trust in it. I don't understand why Miss Mary Tedrick has cancer. I don't, but God does. God knows. I don't understand why we go through what we go through sometimes. But I'm not going to walk around defeated because, guess what? If you read the last chapter, we win. We win. Satan loses. We win. We spend eternity in heaven with the Lord when we die. Listen, the worst thing that can happen to us is that we can close our eyes in physical death and wake up in heaven. What a rejoicing thing. No reason to walk around defeated. But we have those defeated believers that walk around with the woe is me mindset. I call them Eeyore believers. You ever watched little Eeyore on uh, Winnie the Pooh? Oh no, nobody likes me. That's just how they walk around. They're defeated all the time. Listen, you don't have to be defeated. You have the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave living inside of you. You can rejoice in the fact that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. There's victory that comes through him. And now that we're talking about the victory, defeat comes when you don't trust in God, but you begin to trust in him. And Philippians 4.13 makes us one of those victorious believers. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, we have the victorious believer, the one that believes that God can still do the impossible. That God can do the things that nobody else can do. Those things that we walk around defeated about, that we think we don't understand, that we're all discouraged about. You know, we were talking to Miss Mary the other day, and I said, You know what, Miss Mary, the good thing you can you can rejoice in this is that doctors just practice medicine. But the great physician knows everything that's going on. I said, They could say to you there's no hope, but guess what? There's one who is hope. And that's the Lord. You know what, he could heal you of that cancer tomorrow if he so desired. And the doctors would stand there and scratch their head and say, how did this happen? You know why? Because we have a God that's the God of the impossible. Why walk around defeated when we can have victory? You understand he conquered death and hell so he can offer victory over, over death and sin for you and I. But once we get saved, we don't have to grovel in sin. We can walk around in victory with our heads held high knowing that we are a child of God and that he has everything worked out for us if we'll just follow him and trust him. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Look at 1 John chapter 5. It'll be the last verse we look at tonight. 1 John chapter number 5. And verse number 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Listen, we can be victorious we can overcome. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. We can be an overcomer, a victorious believer. Listen, we need to walk around a victorious believer. See, Paul and, Paul and uh, or Saul and Barnabas and Saul, they were victorious believers. They were ones that, that were preaching what God could do. I could imagine Saul telling them about what Jesus did on that road to Damascus telling them how he came uh, and that great light shined and knocked him off the animal he's riding. And he was blind and led around. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he says, he said that Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He And he told him all those things. He tells him about how he got saved and how he went down and waited. And Ananias uh, was there and how he, after that, God showed him that he was going to do some great things with him. He began to uh re- go against the Grecians and all those things about God and doing all this now he's living for the Lord and I can see the testimony that Saul's telling all these people and every day for a year they're training people and teaching people about the victory that comes through the Lord and listen we ought to be victorious believers and walk around letting people know that we don't have to be defeated because we have the one who is victorious you know he said I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me you know what that does not mean? That does not mean you stand on top of the church and jump off and say, I can fly. Okay, that's not what he means. What he means is there's no thing too big for God. There's no, no idea that we could have as far as reaching people and doing the work for the Lord that's too big for God to accomplish. That one that you think could never be saved, God can still save them. That thing that you think could never happen, God could still help them. People could look at Miss Pam and say she'll never get help with her pain, but God, could, God can do it. And you know what? He may not, but you know what he can do? He can bring peace through it. He He's a victorious God. and We ought to be victorious believers. Listen, let's not be the unfed believer, the one that just won't eat, or the lazy believer, the one that just won't work, or the worldly believer, the one that just won't separate, or the timid believer, the one that just won't stand and the defeated believer, the one that just won't trust. Let's be the victorious believer, the one that will succeed. The one that will succeed. Because if you read the verse Joshua 1.8 where he talks about succeeding, you know what he said? Let's go back to the feeding part of it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. He said, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And thou shalt have good success. You know how to be a successful, victorious believer? Is just get back to the book. Just get back to the book. Let's spend more time in the word of God. One of my visions for 2020 is this. That we have a group of people that just fall in love with God's word. Just fall in love with God's word. Because that's where the rejoicing of our heart comes from. That's where the joy comes from. Is through the word of God. So what kind of believer are you? Are you one that's genuinely called a Christian because you're an imitator of Christ? Or are we one of the unfed, the lazy, the worldly, the timid, the discouraged? Or are we victorious? With our heads bowed, eyes closed tonight,